Hello and welcome to the City SC Report, episode 16. We're back. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Joe Chambers. Hey, Joe. Hey, good to be back. And returning champion, Matt Baker. Hey, hey. Good hey, to be guys. here. Good. Hey, how's it going? I feel like we're in mid-season form. It's going well. <laughs> yeah, a lot of soccer. Yeah, we took a little break. Sometimes life gets in the way. But uh, here we are. It's hard to believe that our last episode was during preseason for City 2. And now here we are three games into the regular season. Probably four by the time this comes out weather permitting, and um, we've also had two Open Cup matches, so we'll get into that in a minute. All right, since it's fresh, um, I want to talk about the U.S. Open Cup match that just happened. It was uh, at Louisville this past Wednesday. Sadly, we lost in PKs, but I think there are some uh, positive notes to take away from it, and one of them being it was the first official road trip planned and organized by the St. Louisans. I wanted to go, but couldn't due to family priorities, but uh, Matt Baker was able to be there. So he's going to take a little bit to talk about his experience and what to take away from the match. Take it away, Matt. Thanks, Steve. It's kind of like riding a bike in, in a ways. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a, a Luligan bus, a St. Louis supporter bus. I think it was... It was a good introduction for a lot of people. Um, it was definitely a lot of fun to be back on a bus, going to an away game with friends and with some folks that we uh, met for the first time. We had between 30 and 40 people. Uh, we cool. loaded up in South County because it was kind of the, the closest place. We usually load up there for Louisville, closest place uh, everybody can get to that would allow the bus to drive the least amount, really, because that plays into the whole thing. I enjoyed seeing a lot of familiar faces, but also some newbies. Uh, I'm going to forget a lot of names and not even try for most, but uh, Taylor, Robbie, there were dads. I enjoyed uh, getting to kind of walk and just see and chat with people for a few hours. It was a rather run-of-the-mill bus trip. You know, we had uh, some amazing beer donated by Second Shift, which is just phenomenal. Every, every beer they have is fantastic. Very cool. Um, great, great job that they always do to support us. And definitely always appreciate that. It was a rather mundane trip as far as uh, exciting moments until about 15 to 20 miles out. If anybody's familiar with Luligan bus trips, there's a famous bus two incident from a few years ago. I was on that bus. Oh, okay. Yep. So, so you're so familiar. What, and so I, it wasn't Joe's fault this time. No, no, I, I am not the, uh, the bad luck that, uh, nope. Somebody else is going to have to assume that mantle. And I understand it was a uh, mile marker 100 as you're going in. Jason Petrilo was telling me that. And uh, everybody made it a big point as we passed that that mile marker um, to make a toast. And they, they went they went uh, all out. See, no, they, they jinxed it. You got a few people just went all out to call. It's like, you know, we made it. We made it past here. We're good. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. And uh, you've got to you, save that toast for in the stands next time. You've got to get all the way into yeah, the there stadium. There were lessons learned lessons on this learned. trip. There were lessons learned because about 15 to 20 miles out, we started noticing a massive rumble on the bus. And the driver pulls over very suddenly to the shoulder to keep everybody safe, obviously. Right. And then pretty quickly, the rest of the bus hears that um, we blew a tire. Not just blew a tire, but uh, when we saw that, when we ended up at our destination for the bus, that thing was shredded beyond belief. I don't know what. It, ex it had to have exploded. But... 
pulled over to the, the shoulder, called it in, and then quickly, to his credit, I wish I remembered the driver's name, he's a saint, got us off to the nearest exit safely into the parking lot of a United Methodist Church. Nice. So that's where uh, the bus's final stopping point uh, to get us there was. Um, nice folks there at the church, so that was a, an interesting experience. Everybody got out, took the pictures of yeah. the, the blown tire to check the St. Luligan's Twitter feed for that one. Right. Um, everybody's just kind of figuring, what do we do now? You know, are we stuck? Do we get to the game? We're so close at this point. We're 15, 20 minutes out. And uh, as we go to see if a repair is possible, there's a handful of us who are like watching with the driver, and driver's trying to get this latch working that will pop out the spare tire and at least allow access to the spare tire and the, the jack. But of course it won't open on the bus. And so oh. we can't even, we can't even access the spare tire. And I don't know what we would have done because we would have had to jack up a bus to get a spare. I don't know what we would have done, but you know, at that moment with all of the, the libations, everybody's just trying whatever they can. Um, that didn't work. So people started checking Ubers. Reception was pretty bad in that area. So a few, it took a little bit, but eventually a few people got through um, shout out to Darian Baez, who came by, uh, was driving down there, and was able to pick up, I believe, our photographers, Will right. Bramlett, Jason, and those guys were able to get rides with them. So they got out of there, so they were going to make it. Um, massive shout out to Brad and Sarah, who just led us through the storm in that one, um, organizing everything, making sure that everybody was covered, making sure everybody knew that if you, if you can get an Uber, get an Uber. We don't know if or when the bus is going to go. Don't, we'll reimburse you. They pulled everybody. They put it on social media. I mean, it was it was everything in their power, given the circumstance, to make sure that people were getting to the game and everybody was going to be happy at the end of, the, at the end of that experience. Um, I think that was uh, extra important for the new people because it was a first experience, and you don't want that to be um, you, you rode a bus, the tire blew, you missed the game. Right. That would have been a disaster. Sure. So shout out to those guys for making sure everybody got where they needed to be. Um, once everybody got there, which we did, you know, multiple Ubers took us there. Um, met in the parking lot next to the Lynn family. Uh, the Coopers from Louisville, their supporter group, uh, met us there. They had heard what was happening, and so they were super welcoming, cool. making sure everybody was uh, taken care of, food, drinks, and, and if anybody brought something, they could put it in the trailer, um, like bags if you had brought in the Uber. But they were just the best. Um, we hung out for just a little bit. Everybody organized and gathered. Michelle, my wife, um, and I, along with Zach, went with Caleb into the stadium to bring our Luligan banner and a drum. So we got that in first and made sure that all that was taken care of. And, and everybody else just kind of made their way in after making sure everybody was kind of accounted for. And we had our section in 228, their complete opposite side of the, the Coopers and that safe standing spot at Lynn Family. So... If you haven't been to Lynn Family Stadium, I would suggest looking it up because it's a beautiful stadium. Oh, it's great. Um, great stadium. Safe standing supporter section. We were in the complete opposite, which, if anybody is thinking ahead to MLS, is about where we're going to get placed as visiting supporters mm. in those types of stadiums. The complete opposite side of the supporter section up in the corner. It's a nice bird's eye view. Yeah. At least they had a policy to get you know, a drum in, get flags in, whatever. That's, you know, yeah. that, that's better than some MLS teams have already tried to do to us before. With, and they kept their know. word in a lot of things, yeah. too. So yeah. credit to good. credit to Lou City, credit to uh, Caleb for facilitating all that. You know, we had to be in constant com conversations with them. So it was, I think, at that point, and honestly, if it weren't for the blown tire, I can only imagine just how smooth everything would have been because the it, that was the... The kind of wrench in the whole thing, obviously, but everything around that was just so seamless. 
And, you know, the club did a fantastic job of facilitating it for us. Brad and Sarah did a fantastic job making sure that I was taken care of. So it was a, it was a, fa- it was a great experience aside from the blown tire. And I guess the silver lining is everybody now has a story to tell. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's if the story involves getting to the game still in the end, then it's, a, then it's still a good story. It's all right. Right. And you got there with a little bit of time to still hang out like you would have. That's true. For a little bit of a tailgate. That's true. That's not, fun. not as long, but there still was a little yeah. bit of a tailgate, which That's is cool. a lot more than anybody could have asked for when you're actually getting off the bus and checking out that blown tire for the first time. Yeah. That's fun. So what about the match itself? I, I got to see a little bit of it towards the end. I watched it on TV, and the the ESPN coverage was actually really good. I was not the only person I saw posting things about. It was nice watching City Two play with announcers who like researched right. the team, who know what yeah. they're talking about, who knew the backgrounds of the two clubs and their fan groups, who had opinions about things. Like it was, it, and it, it was kind totally. of like coming home in an instant. So I, I was able to rewatch the match today just to get a little more insight in into the on field stuff which you don't always get a chance to when you're screaming and shouting uh, in the match. But I noticed um, um, Mike Watts and Devin Kerr, the announcers, it was like coming home to a St. Louis FC game because they announced so many of our matches. They knew the supporters, like you're saying, Joe. They knew the, the history of the teams. They made comments alluding to things years ago. Um, I saw on, uh, I think, Twitter or Facebook that um, Mitch Maurice, one of the leaders of the Luligans who couldn't make it, was actually – giving Mike Watts some, some suggestions of things to say or oh, like right. almost like I dare you to say this kind of thing and, and like funny. Chupacabras yeah. made yeah, its way yeah, on yeah, the broadcast. It worked and was great. Uh, yeah. So if so if Mitch got some of that across, then, you know, good job. Cheers, Mitch. That was, uh, and you knew Mike we knew that history. So he's not like Chupacabras. What, right. this, is, this doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say this. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it those, was those guys have good chemistry. That was I could tell that that was really working. And, and they enjoyed it too. You knew they enjoyed – they called out the King's Cup with the Luligans yeah. and the Coopers and the history. They, I mean, you knew they enjoyed it. They wanted to be there, and that was enjoyable to have for our club. So for you, seeing it in the stadium, what uh, what was the game like from that end? It In the moment, so not analyzing it afterwards, uh, I very much remember that we seemed to be on our heels a lot. Um, we seemed to – we didn't control a lot of the pace. I feel we – prevented a lot of Blue City chances. Um, the ball just did not seem to be in our possession much. We didn't generate a whole lot of serious chances, it seemed. Um, mm. And and I, I I know that's kind of our style where we're not going to possess the ball a lot. So our, our if you go back and look at all of our games, we possess the ball maybe 35, 40% of the time. Right, it's that quick match. possession. Exactly. As soon as we get it, we're, we're trying to but run the, up and score. And exactly, not, but the problem was pass. we were not having any success in that that last third of the field. Hmm. Well, that was the, I mean, that was the thing that stood out to me is I, I'm not necessarily worried about possession percentages if yeah. they're positive possession, yes. but man, the, the lack of chances being created was really worrisome because that's not sustainable. It, to play too many games where you're just not putting shots on goal like that, I, you know, it, it's great that they made it to a, to penalty kicks with them. But I, I would really much rather be watching, you know, a, what was that final score with Tacoma, four three or whatever yeah. it was. I, I'd rather see a team throwing chances in. But maybe that has something to do with the level. I mean, you got to admit, well, Louisville is better team. Yeah, they, they Louisville's are. They're not probably Tacoma. one of the the better teams in. And if you USL talk to anybody and, who. Uh, was familiar with Indy 11, there was 
almost consensus that Indy 11 was not at their peak form when we played them. So yes, same league, but Lou City's coming in this with like an eight game win or un- unbeaten yeah. streak going on. So they were in form. I mean, they, they looked solid. Mm-hmm. Lou City did not look spectacular. I don't think they looked like an unbeatable team. I think they looked like a team that they weren't going to give you easy chances though. And we weren't creating anything. So I, I'm not sure... I couldn't even tell you what we needed to be doing differently. I just know that that final third, nothing was happening. Yeah. Well, I know some of those some of those overhead crosses or some of those where you're sending it just maybe 15 yards down the field, we couldn't ever create space when we were receiving the ball. Um, a lot of our uh, – we didn't seem to have the same kind of cuts to midfield from our, our fullbacks and our wingers that we, used, we had been in other games. Um, I know Ezra, when he came on – um, Kwame when he came on, and Akil most of the match, I was looking for those kind of guys to create space as they were kind of either doing overlapping runs or cutting to the middle because a lot of our goals scored by those guys are in that sense where they're creating space of their own. They're overloading the attacking portion of the field and and leaving maybe a Yara or Hebert back to, to defend, and they're just going for it. And we didn't really seem to be able to generate that kind of movement. No, there, there was not... The... And I don't know, maybe their defense is faster than some of the other defenses that we've been playing, but no, we were not creating anything up the wings. You were not seeing anybody making those kind of threatening runs from our end. That It just slowed down. Every time we pushed the ball much past midfield, it would all just grind and to a halt. I, Juan Cousin was very quiet to me. I didn't see him get involved in a whole lot of moments. We seem to be trying to funnel most of our offense through um, Celio Pompeu over on the left side. And I was expecting um, Akil at that point to kind of sync up with him, but that never really happened. And the few moments that I do recall were could have been created by Celio. And one in particular, which I think was our best chance, was when he, he could have made that run into the keeper uh, if he had beat a defender like he has done before multiple times, but he didn't quite... Uh, create that that spark as quickly as he could have so he more played it back and it looked like we we're going to drop into possession we worked it around the middle and then AJ Palazzolo who was just outside the box on the right hand side received it and just I mean fire rocket and it could have been a Galazzo but it went just wide right and I think to me that was one of our best opportunities and just a I mean a little bit different uh, touch on that ball and this could have been a completely different game but you're going to need to create more than one or two of those over the course of 120 minutes of soccer once you include all of the, the overtime. Yep. You know, you, you can't be throwing one or two chances out there and saying, like, well, if we'd scored the one chance we had, that you've got to get more. I mean, Lucidity did get a few good chances in on goal. I, you know, we were able to – we had a couple of nice saves to stop a couple of theirs. And, and you know, that's another bright spot is Michael Creek, honestly. He – I think he probably he might have been starting despite the injury, which we'll probably get to soon. But I he started our Open Cup match against Indy Eleven, and was more than serviceable. He was good. Yeah. And so I think I think he should get credit too for getting us to the PKs. PKs aside, which he he didn't stop any PK. Their only miss was uh, wide. But mm-hmm. he you had. You can't blame. I, I never blame a keeper for those. That's I. And if the game had, gets to PKs, it's not yes. everything else is a crapshoot for the keeper. It's not. Lou City had 15 shots, five on goal, and some of them were great saves. Yeah. He, he, so our defense did well to prevent those shots on goal from being more than they were because they 
they outshot us by uh, 15 to 3. Shots on goal were 5 no to 1. And yeah, it was. Oh, my gosh. So our defense, Michael Creek, they they kept us in the game when we couldn't generate that kind of attack we were talking about. Okay, so we got outplayed a little bit, but still it's it's nice that we carried that game all the way to PKs. That's pretty impressive. To a whole lot of PKs. Yeah. To a whole lot of PKs. Those are so stressful to watch. That's the uh, – but, again, you, that's what's going to happen if you can't put shots on goal. If you can't create more than three shots over the course of 120 minutes, then, you know, you're going to end up in PKs with another team that, you know, knows how to shoot PKs. It's just – it's you got to put more on frame than that. And stressful because in, in PKs in that scenario going into it, you've subbed out six players. So you're now you're now kind of – you've cycled out of a lot of guys who – could have been your better options. You know, we we made all but two of our PKs, um, but at that point you're just nervous going into it because you've you've rotated a whole lot and you've de- entirely depleted your bench. And two of the PKs were former academy kids, Aaron Hurd. Yeah, you've got who was Homer, young youngsters, young guys. Aaron Hurd, who was seeing his first City Two action. Yeah, a lot of pressure there. That's and they he both did, came through. He also so. shout out to Aaron Hurd more than serviceable in his time. He, Mike Watts called it out on the broadcast where he had the opportunity to provide that spark who is fresh legs, he's in the game late, he could, he could run circles around their defense. You could tell he had that kind of energy. And he had a few good plays on the ball. And I think, I hope, he's going to find himself in a lot more games as we go forward into this next pro season. I could see that. Well, because then once we're back to next pro season, it's back to... The question we have all season long in a reserve league like this about at what points do they decide that we don't need the win this week, we need to develop guys. You know, at what point are we just trying to get guys some looks? Open Cup is different. You really hope that they're going for the win. And, you know. And Hackworth's comments have echoed that exact thing. He said that this is a developmental league, but we're playing to win in that first match with Rochester, which was a big deal. All eyes were on and it us. Worked. Yep. And you play to win in the Open Cup. You prioritize winning in the Open Cup. And so we're Open Cups down. We're into run of the mill next pro games where the goal may start to. We may see a shift in. We kind of identified. I feel uh, a lot of our starting eleven top guys on pro contracts a little bit, but we may start to see a shift into bringing in some academy guys. We may start to see a shift in. Uh, more rotation week in week out and we only have two and a half months until our MLS internationals arrive that'll be well yeah that'll, that'll completely change the look of the team and so you got to wonder if there are some guys who are realizing that they're on a short term right you know you, you've got that 10 weeks to impress or they have to or impress not. now or it's now or never and I worry a little bit about that because you've got you have guys like Josh Dolan, who on paper has not been successful. If you assume his role is to score goals. Now, in the preseason, it seemed like his role is to create chances and to be a physical presence up front. And I would argue that he's very successful in that sense. He takes some bangers, and he does really well in facilitating some good plays for our other attacking mids. He's one of the reasons that Juan Cousin has two goals in all competitions, why our, our wing backs and our wingers are able to kind of make the cuts that they can because he's drawing at times two defenders. But we also know that 
Zhao Klaus is waiting in the wings, more or less, to get time in Next Pro. But but if Zhao Klaus has the same resume as somebody who you say apparently has the talent, maybe doesn't have as many goals as you would expect from somebody like that, then the reins are going to get handed over to him. You you gotta you've got to think you only have room for so much of the forwards who aren't quite scoring for you. Like that that is not a role you can have three of those guys on a field at a time. But I, I like Josh Bowling so far. I, I like some of what I'm seeing from him. I think he's been playing really solidly. And so you hope that if he's going to find a, a bigger role, that, that he does find it soon. I think it's easy to kind of overlook somebody in a forward role like that who's not actually scoring. But um, one stat I did see is he actually has two assists in two games. He's yes. only played two games, uh, regular season games, that is. I know season's young, but... Still, that's pretty impressive. And he he was doing that work in the preseason, too. There were distinct moments you remember he made runs to receive the ball, and he ended up near the corner, and one or two defenders follow him, and then he's able to find that cutting winger or the cutting uh, fullback to make the actual play. And that's that's where he's finding a lot of success so far. So at the at the end of the day, it depends on what the overall strategy is of that position. Right. And we kind of said that at the beginning of the season, too, when we were looking at the roster itself and just kind of our lack of experience in the forward position. We kind of predicted from the beginning. I mean, obviously, the season's young and it can go so many different ways, but we kind of predicted, like, most of our goals are probably going to come from our midfield. It just seems that way, and so far we're right. But when uh, Klaus comes over, maybe that might change. Well, and if those guys who are playing up top can link up better with the midfield guys, then we can get more consistent scoring or more consistent chances on goal at least but it's not over the course of a season it always takes longer for the offense to really get up to full speed than it does for the defense and we're seeing that especially with some of these guys being younger guys that's going to be even more true you know or guys who even ones who aren't young they're they're still inexperienced at this level so you know it's not like any of them are returning to it's not like you're bringing back a half a roster from last year with a lot of turnover. You're bringing an entirely new roster together. And so all of these offensive parts are going to have to learn how to click together. And it's some of it is and some of it's not. Let's go ahead and, um, while we're talking about that, City 2's regular season, I don't think, you know, like I said, we're, we're pretty early in, so we don't need to dive too much into detail. Um, but let's talk about how we're doing, final scores, who scored, um, who stood out, and uh, we'll also talk about the uh, unfortunate injury that happened. As I mentioned at the beginning, City 2 has played three matches as of Friday, April 22nd. That's today. Their fourth match is slated for this Sunday versus uh, Minnesota United 2. Mm-hmm. Weather permitting, like I said, it's supposed to storm like a SOB, but we'll see. They currently sit third in the Western Division behind division leaders Houston Dynamo 2 and North Texas SC. We've had two matches at home. We beat Rochester in that first match 2-0. And we've also won an exciting one, 4-3 versus Tacoma Defiance. We went on the road, played Sporting KC 2, and won 1-0. We've uh, scored seven goals. We've let up four. We've had two clean sheets. So far, goal scores, Watts leads with two goals for regular season, that is. Celio has won. Juan Cousin has one. Victor Diaz has one. Let's not forget Juan Cousin scored our very first goal for City 2 in our history. Also, 
for MLS Next Pro altogether. The entire league, yeah. yeah. Makes them a fun, uh, but note if the league sticks around long enough, unless MLS yeah. decides to redo the, the whole system again, which they've done before. And then uh, Paolo Zalo has scored, and Schneider has also scored. Takeaways so far, guys? Our style works a lot of the time. I mean, our players are clearly bought in, and they're tailored for this high-press, attacking, quick movement with the ball. And the we I think we've put up a good number of goals so far, uh, having seven so far over three matches in league play is pretty good. And I think it speaks to, and especially the, so you just listed them, the variety of goal scorers. So it's it's not just like we're running it through one or one side uh, for our team, but we're getting everybody engaged. And when you have guys like Akil Watts, AJ Palzolo, uh, scoring goals, who their primary role is a holding mid or a fullback in a four-man back line, I think that speaks to just how quickly and how often we're getting up the field. So I, I'm excited that our players are obviously buying in and we're seeing the dividends of the talk from before the season started about how our offense would look. And they are. They, they do seem to be do, doing that pressing style that they promised us as fans we were going to see more of, and I, I enjoy watching that, um, even if it didn't quite play out against a, uh, against a team like Louisville. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't work quite the same in that, but uh, I, I think they're going to have success if they keep doing that at the, in the league level. Seems like we've had a recurring starting eleven, and um, I'm, maybe it's just the eagerness that. But I'm I'm getting pretty comfortable with it. To be honest with you, it's pretty solid, really. Um, maybe it's just for this level. Obviously, it's just for this level for now. But um, every time they come out, that's just looking really strong. Might substitute here and there, especially on was it left back with uh, Aweo. He's been coming in a lot. Left back, am I right? Kwame. Yeah. Kwame. Yeah. yeah. And in at the Lou City match, he came in and that shifted uh, Akil over to the right side. Right. And I'm going to be honest, Kwame Awua. I'm sorry. I think it's Awua. Uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm still learning the names, too. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Is it a, a, apologies if uh, people who know him better than, uh, than yeah. us are, are listening here. Let's just call him Kwame. Kwame is, is so much easier. Yeah. Uh, I... I don't like what I'm seeing from him at that position. He was listed on the roster as a midfielder. They're playing him at a left back, and he doesn't seem to know how to play left back. He's If he's supposed to be playing at, at, as a winger back there and making runs out of that left back role, I, I'm not seeing enough of them. And if he's supposed to be a true left fullback in a four-man back line, like actually helping defend... He's not. That first game especially, watching in person, because some of this you lose on TV when the, they're following the ball and you can't see all of it, but watching from the stands in that first game, he was caught out of position every time the opposition had the ball. He was never where he needed to be. He was wrong-sided by their ball carriers on every play. He just, he'd just get caught in no man's land between two guys, like where he's not sure what his, what his role was when they have the ball. He really seems like an offensive player that they're trying to drop further back because they don't have a place for him in the midfield. That's what he looks like out there. He looks like he wants to be further upfield, and they just slid him back and told him, you'll get some minutes if you play back here. And I don't like that. Which is interesting because Ezra Armstrong is listed as a defender, 
pretty consistently, even on the mm-hmm. app still, mm-hmm. and has really never played that left back position that we all thought he would slide into. He's very much been um, left winger or that left uh, left side mid. And see, and maybe that's a matter of, you know, they're seeing stuff from him in practice where he can make some of those runs. I think if that's supposed to be Kwame's job too, if if he's supposed to be making runs from back there, he's not doing it yet. And maybe that's a matter of learning to play with the guys ahead of him to get the overlapping runs going and it's just not clicking. I, I don't know. But right now he seems permanently out of position. One of, one of the advantages I think he has and I could be totally wrong on this. This is just what I've seen so far. I would guess he's probably one of the fastest players on our team. If you see him run up and have to run back, I mean, the dude is just fast. Look for it next time because you'll, but then you'll, sometimes you might we, notice it. But well, yeah, we see from coaches, especially doesn't mean everything. not at the MLS level, you know, but at the lower levels, is that like, well, he's got such physical talents. We've got to find a place for him on the field. And that's... You know, oh, he's fast. If you put him back there, he'll he'll make up for mistakes with speed. I would like to think this team is a level too high for that. That this is not, it's not PDL ball. We don't need to just find the most athletic dude in the school and throw him out there on the field. Like we need, you need guys who are actually suited to their role if you're going to sign them to professional contracts. And I think it, they, I'm not sure they know what his role is yet. And maybe that'll come with time. And I, maybe I, they're seeing stuff in. I don't. I don't know. Maybe yeah. there are, there are things that they're seeing that they're like, no, but we promise when it clicks, it'll be great. He's going to be good back there. Well, he but could it's, be an example. He could be an example of a player who has all the talent in the world, and they're trying to get him to work in this system, because he was could signed. Be. He was signed later a little bit. So he wasn't part of the initial right, roster reveal. Right. He was uh, one of the two guys who they signed uh, during preseason. Mm-hmm. And looking back at his. His history, he was drafted in the 2017 MLS Super Draft, 16th overall by New York City FC, yep. spent a couple years with them, and then played in Canada for a little bit for Forge FC. So he has... And he, and he was actually in Vancouver's uh, preseason camp this year. Yeah, they so had you know Vancouver had an eye on him too, See, but, that's but what, he didn't have enough so to the, the break talent, The talent is, to me, clearly there. I think it's... And, and it may go to the fact that they listed him as a midfielder and are playing him as a defender thinking he would work better in the system at that position because, and I'm just speculating, but it's because our fullbacks tend to play that more, you know, forward attacking position. And Akil Watts has scored a couple goals from that position as well. But that's not what right. Kwame looks like yet. And so if, if, if that's what we were seeing from him at this point, then I'd say like, yeah, that's working. And I, I, I love seeing wing backs who push up great. You know, those guys are so much fun to watch. That's not where it is yet. And right now it's worrying me that, you know, I, he looks like the kind of guy you can see why other MLS teams have given him a look and then let him go. Why, you know, NYC and Vancouver both been like, oh, yeah, that guy seems like he could really be something. And then they get him in camp and they get him, you know, in their team and they can't find a place for him either. So I that could very well be the word just round three of that. Or maybe not. Maybe he, you know, he finds he really finds a rhythm. He starts, you know clicking with the players around him, and that would be great. I, I wish him all the luck in the world, but right now it's not working. All right, so any other players that have stood out to you so far? Um, I know there's some good ones. Juan Cousin, of course. Like I said, these guys are pretty solid. Celio, uh, Watts, Palazzolo, Schneider. I really Kubiak. like Schneider so far. Schneider's I, a solid. I really like what I see of him. He plays like a very mature player. 
With the exception of the red guy. The red, that's what I was going to say. That was a little... I wonder if the eye rolls could come through on the yeah. audio. Because Now, to to his point, though, even I, watching that game, I don't know about you, watching the game, I had I no idea what happened. We were watching it it's, together, I had to actually. go back and watch it. They shared the clip out on the MLS Next Pro site, and I went back and watched it several times, confused by it. Like, oh, if you're going to have a fourth official not dressed as a ref, mm-hmm. in street clothes... In front of the opposing team's bench, I could see where in... If... And he had already gotten shoved. He had he was shoved right before that happened. He gets up, fired up. The fourth official, I think, goes to like... Break okay it up. Or break it up. It's... If, if anybody's listening to this who didn't watch the game, yeah, the, there was some shoving going on, and the fourth official intervened. It looked like he stepped in between the guys to break it, it up. So but he's just over there in a gray sweatshirt, and he looked like he was just a... a a bench coach off of the opposing right. team getting what, in a, the face of Schneider. So he pushed him and got a red card and now a three-game suspension because you obviously cannot lay hands on an official. But what makes it even more odd is, talking to people who were there for the match, the fourth official put on that jacket in the second half. So the, it wasn't like they were used to the fourth official wearing the jacket the entire match. I, I really I understand red carding him, and I understand that if you got a red card, you get a one game. But the additional two games, because it was entanglement with a ref, I absolutely think should be overturned on some sort of appeal based on it's not fair to the players to have to memorize that people changed clothes and like, oh, but, you know, don't you know the face of the fourth official in the heat of the moment? That That's, that's just unreasonable, and the league should recognize that. I mean, whether it's the fourth official put themselves in a, a bad position or they... Um, made a, a, a bad dress code decision or they did something against the rule for the dress code. I don't know. You let the one game red card suspension yes, stand. Right, the additional right. ga- games, though, I, I don't think are yeah. warranted given the weird circumstances yeah, that was, of that. That's pretty ridiculous. ridiculous. But up until that point, I, I think Schneider has impressed me every game as playing above his level. Like He looks like the kind of guy who could be on an MLS roster next year. Not starting, but a bench spot, you know, I could see him getting a contract, maybe getting some minutes. I, I don't think he would be a starter for an MLS team, but I, I think he would be, I think he could be a very good role player, yeah. uh, you know, or backup at that. I So uh, hopefully he will rebound well from the red. I've, I've really liked watching him play. And with no open cup match for a while, we're, we're going to go without Schneider for a little bit. So we might be seeing more of Kwame, more of some of those other guys. Who can play that holding mid? Because I don't, I doubt we're going to be changing up our four-two-three-one type formation that we've been running. I think it's more yeah, we're going to we're going to slot Akil Watts in, or we're going to slot somebody who can play similar style. And that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I would love to see some of those guys get a little bit of a different look on the field. So uh, Schneider will be back. It looks like against Timbers two on May twenty-second. So he's going to miss Minnesota United 2, Real Monarchs, and Whitecaps 2. Again, though, this is next pro. It's a developmental league. We're not sure which of these games mean more than others. We don't know enough about these teams' rosters because this is all new. So, And honestly, that's a that's a fun point because our the game against Tacoma, the Seattle Sounders 2, essentially. So mm-hmm, Tacoma yeah. is their, their, the Sounders 2 team. They played six players on the sounders roster against us we i didn't find i didn't know at the time found out out later while i was looking into minnesota united too who will also be playing 
some Minnesota United rostered players, including potentially a designated player. Which so, was shocking to find out. There's a there's a there's a website in uh, Texas. I think it's uh, uh, I want to say first D soccer something along those lines. They've been ranking the teams in MLS Pro, mm. right? So City Two has been on their top ranked uh, teams for the past few weeks, and they commented that Minnesota United Two last week played their designated player for their their two team, and it seems to be because he's. He was coming back from either injury or out of form, but the position that he plays is also occupied on the first team by a designated player. Mm. So maybe a little bad roster build in that sense to have two designated players when you only have one spot uh, for your system, but to get him time, they seem to be playing one DP in their on their two teams. Well, we can be on the good side of that later in the season when we start bringing the European guys over right, exactly. and getting to yeah. throw yes. them in on our two team uh so you know we we can we can enjoy the fun side of that 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 developmental league weirdness there. Big D soccer, by the way. Speaking of big D, I'm not sure that I want to uh, <laughs> mistype that. That sounds like a... I I didn't want to say it at first until yeah, I double checked it, but uh, yeah, big D after dark podcast. Jose Antonio Carmona, shout out to him on Twitter. He does rankings, and we've been at the top of his list. Gave us the insight into awesome. Minnesota United 2's uh, potential designated player. Good but which, which, when this comes For... out, could be the guy that we either overpowered, hated to see, blame him for a loss, attribute a City 2 for beating a designated player. You never we, know. We can make blind guesses, and then uh, people can listen and see how right we were. Or, I think I think we shut him down. <laughs> or we um, won't yeah. see him, and it was a rain, rain out. They decided to call it for lightning. Something like that. But speaking of Big D, I will say, we have to talk about Yarrow and Hebert as our center backs. That was a good transition. That was Thank uh, you. <laughs> I loved it. I, I was worried for a minute there, and it, it worked Anytime out. Anytime Steve Your says anything about way. Big D. Yarrow has played great. I yeah, liked, he has, man. That guy. He, you can absolutely see why. He, they said from the beginning that, you know, yeah, this is a guy who will be on the MLS. We'll, the we'll, big team we'll ignore the own goal against uh, Tacoma. Similar to Schneider, everybody has their laps mm-hmm. in judgment. Mm-hmm. It, you could clearly see what he was doing in, it was the Tacoma game. Yeah. He tried to make a clearance when the ball was played into the box. Yep. There wasn't anybody behind him, but the times that we've been burned, we've seen uh, attackers have slid in behind our defenders' backs, and so... Knowing all of that, I could easily see what he was trying to do there. It was just a bad time to be doing it in that position. And and you're going to notice those, but for for one play like that, you've got 50 plays where he's just yeah exactly. rock solid, he's, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. You know, you, you you see guys in the English Premier League make stupid mistakes all the time. I mean, and he's a leader on the field. Oh, he, he's, oh, for sure. I mean, if you've seen, I mean, the video the city put out about uh, the Lou City Open Cup PKs with Aaron Hurd and Fritz Vollmer, you could see him in that leadership role with Hurd after he took the PK. You know, he's he's like yep. kind of like that big brother, father figure yep. who's just, and he, I mean, he embodies the cap, the guy who should be wearing the captain's armband for yep. the, especially in this role for these academy guys, let alone all the players who are at or near his own level. And let's not overlook Hebert. I mean, he's he's not exactly at the same level as Yarrow, but he's also a little younger. And, and he's he has played big, really solidly. He has, for sure. Very solid. Yeah, I, I definitely like what I'm seeing. And that's why you go 
you know, 120 minutes with no goals allowed against Loose City is because you've got defenders who you can actually trust, who, you know, just quietly play like a great solid game and hold a good team scoreless. And DeRosa playing on the right side. He's, he's been sneaky, sneaky good. Yeah. He was another player who came in a little late in mm-hmm. in the overall in preseason. He was, uh, he was like one of the last players that came on. Yeah, and he was one of the players in uh, the uh, Missouri State preseason game. We were standing on the sideline. Uh, I was there with uh, Stuart Holtgren, and we just couldn't figure out who this guy was. Right. And we were just um, Phil Groom, Stu, and myself were like, "Is he a coach? Is he like where did who is this guy?" And we like tried to Google what he looks like, and he. I thought, think he was on trial. I think that was it. I think they were just like giving him a trial basis because. His name wasn't on the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody knew who he was. But the that's even more impressive to me that he came on at that stage and he has kind of taken over that right back role. Yeah, I, I didn't I did not see that coming early on. But and he's it's not by happenstance or fluke he's proved himself. He play he seems to be playing well in this system where he can push up on that right hand side with uh, Juan Cousin. He can hold his own on the defensive side. He's he's pretty physical, just oh, like Kyle that's what Hebert. I was gonna say. Yeah, he he's scrappy. Mm-hmm. Well, that last uh, regular season match that we did have the uh, one nothing win against Sporting Kansas City two. Unfortunately, uh, we did see an injury. Uh, Eric Walker went down in the thirty third minute. Still not exactly sure what happened. All we heard was there was a pop. Is what the players said. Possibly an Achilles, it sounds heard like. It, heard about Achilles, a ruptured Achilles potentially, but I don't think. And there was a press conference that occurred earlier, and I don't believe that they disclosed that. But the, apparently exactly. he was getting MRIs to mm-hmm. determine how bad, so it didn't look good. Uh, anytime you see somebody just go down hard away from the play. With a non-contact injury. Yeah, that's that. at first I thought he was just going down to pick up a ball and then... Realize like, no, he's up. just face yeah, down we, on the ground. That's not... A... We were watching the game, and it was just, what just happened? And it's it was, oddly enough, that same day, the same thing happened to Brad Guzan. I was watching that game um, for Atlanta United. He totally off the ball, wasn't even near it, just stepped weird, and down he went, and he was out. It was the same thing. And those are... Bizarre. It, you know that's never good. You know, it's not just... Uh... It's it's one thing to run into another player, but if if you just hear something just snap, that's... yeah. And so he's out for the season. Funny enough, for now, uh, so that means Michael Creek is our is our starting keeper, and uh, for now, anyway, for the who knows how long, Alex Langer, our director of goalkeeping, is our backup goalkeeper. I'll yeah. say that again. Alex Langer, our director of goalkeeping, is our backup keeper for now. You you got to think they're going to sign yeah. somebody to some really small money deal here, right? Like there's got to be some. Well, and in the in the press conference today, uh, Hackworth, I believe, did say that they have a plan. They just can't announce it. Okay. So I mean, the, the you, question you have to is, assume what's the somebody's plan? been scouting. Right. I mean, is the plan? There's. There's a lot of options. Are there younger kids you're going to bring up? Because you—that's scary at the goalkeeping position. That is not usually the position to bring up a kid. Um, you do have multiple keepers on the 17 roster, mm-hmm. though, and the one that I immediately thought of was Owen Spore. I think he has gotten the most minutes, at least in the fall season. I believe he had the most minutes for the 17 team. It seemed like if you're going to call a player up, that was going to be the one to to pull the trigger on. 
and that could work. I would love to see them go find a guy with who's a little bit older though, just as a as a backup in the roster. I, I really, it's a it's a little scary to be quite that thin. It's something that right. not everybody can just step into that role. Yeah, uh, but again, there's so many options. I mean, they're probably either working out. Somebody on loan is probably the most likely uh, scenario. Um, it again. goes to, again, the fact that in July we assume that Roman Berkey is going to also play for City mm-hmm. 2. Mm-hmm. So at this point, if you can't get Berkey, you're looking for a bridge. Somebody to fill a, fill a role. Potentially Michael Creek just stays as, as keeper one, and then you have somebody just backing him up. In a just in case, because again, we're not in the Open Cup anymore. Yeah. We're looking at one match a week. We're in one competition. We don't necessarily need the depth. We need to have the depth on the roster in case of a freak situation or a bad run of form. But it's not like you need a long-term signing necessarily if your plan is to bring Berkey in in July. And that should be fun to, to watch uh, again. I'm looking forward to these guys who've been signed by the first team when they get to come here and play for the second team. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it still kind of blows my mind. It, I still can't help. I've said this multiple times. Wonder who is actually going to play, or maybe somebody will get loaned out, or maybe they'll just train for the remainder of the season. It'll be interesting to, to see for sure. I think the only for sure thing we would have saw was that um, the one player who is heavily rumored but has not actually signed, uh, Joachim Nilsson, would almost assuredly not have played for City 2 had Sweden right. made uh, yes. the World Cup. That, that is but they didn't point. make the World Cup. So yeah, if we sign bad him... Bad for after, Sweden, good for us. Bad for Sweden, good for us. If he And he's currently in a relegation fight with his club team, so when that's wrapped up uh, and he's officially announced, the assumption would be that he would come play for City 2. All right, let's talk uh, really quick, just some league notes, just so people are kind of aware, because I don't know if anybody's really looking into the MLS Next Pro League and at this early stage and seeing what's going on. But uh, like I've mentioned, Houston's on top of the Western Division. I was looking through some stats just for fun, because I'm, I, I, I love stats. And um, we have two guys in, in the top right now. Again, only three games in, so it's not that big of a deal, but still kind of cool. Uh, Doling has two assists in two games, so he's within the top 10, and Watts has two goals in three games, but to be fair, there's a whole slew of guys with uh, two goals, so that, that list is rather large, but we'll see how much that changes. Interestingly enough, uh, David Beckham's 19-year-old son, Romeo, plays fittingly for Inter Miami 2. Uh, he leads the league at this early stage in assists with four assists in four games. How much is he making off the books? <laughs> is my question. Yeah, I don't know. Does he man. need it? Do you just get an allowance still at that stage? <laughs> I'm, you know? sh- I'm sure. Yeah, his allowance is <laughs> off the books money yeah. from Beckham. Yeah. So he doesn't need a fish. A Ferrari. Money. I'm assuming Each there's season, a nice house in Miami that he right. gets to to just stay. Uh, yeah. You're not worried about getting put up in an apartment with three other uh, young players like like some guys do. Well. Sadly, we don't play uh, IM2 this in the regular season, but maybe we'll meet up with them in the playoffs at some point. Um, that would be fun. Uh, leading the Eastern Conference at this point is Columbus Crew 2, just one point ahead of New England Rebs 2, and two points of said team IM2. So anyway, I just thought I'd point that out. 
and we're a game behind most teams. Right. Don't forget. Yeah, that's a so good point. Until, until the June 8th, I think, time frame when that was rescheduled, the Colorado Rapids 2 match, we're still essentially... sitting on a game in hand. Yeah, we're still essentially playing a game in hand behind everybody. So I was making a... I noted last week that at first glance, it looked like we were the only undefeated team. But actually, Houston's undefeated. North Texas is undefeated. But North Texas has a tie. Right. League play, uh, the only you know, unbeaten, untied teams are Houston and, and City 2. Right. Which is a great way to start the season. We'll see how long it lasts. I mean, can't ask for more at this point in time. Yep. Still early on, but lots to go. Pretty exciting. It's a good start. It is, for sure. All right. We're going to move on again, but first, um, a word from our sponsor beer. <laughs> What's everybody drinking? Sponsored by the concept of beer itself. Joe, do you need another beer? Joe is drinking. Uh, what are you drinking, Joe? What do I. Uh, uh, Rockwell's. First available IPA. That's the oh, name of it. First go. available That's IPA. I have a narrow gauge OJ run over here. You're still on that same first beer? It's a big one. Nursing that. It's a big one. So anyway, Joe, do you need another beer? Uh, you know what? I can make this one last for uh, for another for hour. hour. You know. We're about halfway done. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Saddle, saddle up. So actually, okay. So other news. Uh, We'll talk about here. Centene Stadium is having their seats installed. Seats are going in. It's starting to look like a stadium. There's dirt in the middle of the field. There's. They posted pictures today of the seats. They've got that. Uh, they look to be that. That blue. What are they calling that blue? River blue. River blue. It's navy blue and pink. It's just, it's just navy, navy blue, blue and, and pink. pink. Yes. And they're great. The, the seats look right. They look like they're supposed to. You know, it's nice to see real life starting to look like the renderings. They look to be kind of like a, maybe like a plastic of some sort, like a hard plastic. I mean, I'm assuming it's the kind of stadium seats most of us are used to in the other. Let's dive deep on stadiums this. in town. What do you think they're made of? Polyurethane. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I guess first, like, complex uh, I, structural word that came to mind. I mean, my... my uh, my season tickets are in the supporter section, so I will so not we be don't using know a seat. I will be Same here. standing up for the duration of the game ask a friend. for years until I'm too old to stand any longer, which could be in a couple of seasons. We'll see. Got to at least start out. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a rail. There'll be railings to lean Same on. Standing. I can lean. Yep. With cup holders. That's right. Couldn't ask for more over there. Seriously. I was talking to somebody right before I came over here and uh, tell them. I was in the supporter section, and he was like, oh, so you're going to be standing the whole time. So I go, yeah, but it's safe standing. So if worst comes to worst, you know, you've got a rail to lean on, which looking back on every soccer game in St. Louis I've been to ever is a lot more than we've ever had. Yeah, because I've definitely uh, almost fallen off yeah. standing on some wobbly bleachers at oh Soccer Park. Uh, I have fallen that's many a... times. <laughs> bleachers are bad. They are uh, treacherous at times, and that's one thing we're not going to have to worry about which is something to be very thankful for. A few weeks ago, I, I, my family, we went to Austin. And of course, when I go somewhere like that, there's always two priorities for me. Either has something to do with soccer or beer. Well, I got both for this trip. And we did. We went to an Austin FC match. Here's my popcorn bucket to prove it. Um, Pretty cool popcorn Broccoli bucket. FC. It's a nice Broccoli popcorn FC. bucket. That's right. And it was cool. But here's my point about telling this. They have the safe standing with the bars but so they 
they have the seats behind, but they're locked for the game. Which is what we'll have. But here's the thing. My criticism about it was the, and this sounds kind of petty, but it's just true. If I was a season ticket holder, I'd probably be a little pissed. The cup holders are set for if you had seats. They're way down. Ooh, so no. Yeah, so if you have a drink, you have to lean all the way down to put your beverage in that cup holder. And then at the same time, okay, so that fits for the times that they do have to bring down the seats. That's great. But then one thing I noticed, too, I kind of squatted down. I was like, if this seat was down, the bar would be right in my eye of sight for the whole whatever I'm there concert or whatever so i was like you can't win <laughs> no matter which way you're going here yeah it's just a, a negative to both when when centene was first or when our stadium back when was first announced to have seats uh in the support section that were locked in the first thought was, okay well that that's fine they're gonna be locked you know it's still safe standing but then you start thinking who do they have in mind first when they're when they're designing this right. and they're implementing it. Is, is this a is, soccer stadium is a, first? Yeah, soccer or stadium is it first. Yep. Or concerts is it the concert? and yes. because high school events me, yeah. and college events and yeah. Yes, because that tells me that their first priority is to when those seats are down and they can make more money off of those seats being filled for a concert or for some kind of other event. Yeah. It doesn't matter if there's a rail in front of it because they have to put the rail. Quote, I'm doing air quotes. They had to put mm -hmm. the rail because of soccer fans, right. but. We're going to prioritize the cup holder being down here. We're going to prioritize making sure seats are here. We want the comfort of the person who's going to be paying $50 per concert prioritized over somebody who's going to be paying 25 or 30 per soccer match. Right. And everything I know, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm not going to be proven wrong, everything I know tells me that our team and our club is different. Hope so. And that our cup holder, and it's a small, may seem like a small thing, but I'll tell and, you. Yeah, that's what I'm fan saying. Fan experience in the match at the it, at the moment in the match is just going to be so much more diminished if that cup holder is down at the bottom because it defeats the purpose of having cup holders in that area for yep. a soccer match, yep. which is what our number one purpose for the stadium is. Yeah, it's funny. Going to the one game, you would think that I would get all of these emails. I would get emails from the team promoting – upcoming games like that's what happened to orlando i went to orlando uh a few years ago i get emails i still get emails colorado saying, does the same to me when come. i was in vacation so the funny thing is austin doesn't do that but they did send me an email recently for willie nelson's fourth of july party at the stadium wow yeah i kid you not uh, i have seen willie nelson in concert it's uh, i mean i wouldn't mind it'd be it, he is coming it's here fun. so you know um I'm not going to drive to Austin to see right. him. I feel like yeah. I, But it's his 4th of July party, man. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Willie Nelson. It's a party. I mean, knowing knowing that the Austin FC owner is <clears throat> Anthony Precourt, I don't think anybody's too surprised to hear those kinds of minute decisions were made to tailor towards how can we... Towards how do we make the most profits out of yes. this, not how do we support soccer fans. Right. Yeah, he, he's not proven himself to be a soccer fan per, first. Right. It's Absolutely not his. Not. Uh, it's not his track record for sure. But on TV, I like their stadium. It looks nice. I've watched you know some games and their fans all of those. It. I keep I keep watching and just getting excited for what we're gonna have next year. I mean, that's a comparable type of stadium. That's that's what I'm excited for. Yeah, Austin FC, Columbus Crew Stadium. Those are the comparable ones. I think yes. we have to look forward to. And yep, Nashville. Yeah, and Nashville. And Joe, you're totally spot on that. Those the fans in Austin, their supporters, the Austin Anthem, and 
they do a fantastic job. It was fun. It was a great time. I mean, those guys, yeah, they, they brought it. There were some, you know, when you go to experience like something like that, you come home with all this energy and, but at the same time, I didn't want to come to Zach or anybody and be like, oh, I've got these ideas. You know, I've got, here, here's what we should, I didn't do that. I didn't want to do that. But at the same time, you're like, you know, you're kind of thinking, "Mm, well, you know, I'm kind of like, for one thing, one thing I actually would like to say, um, if the Capos or anybody's listening, uh, one thing I, I really appreciated that they do, and this isn't stealing any from them, anything from them, because it's a really good idea. So they had uh, like communal flags, you know, flags that be waving the whole game. And then basically you just pass it on. When you get tired of waving it, you pass it on. And if you don't want it, you just pa- keep passing it till somebody else takes it and they wave it the whole game. So these flags are just going throughout the whole section the whole game and it kind of makes sense because you don't want to be that person well except for maybe jimmy blood but you don't want to be there just you know waving a flag the whole match give yourself it, an arm workout yeah it's and kinda, it's, it's yeah. kind of cool yeah. to scatter it out and move it about and I, I thought that was really cool so never heard of that that's really interesting yeah yeah it was that way you keep it going that makes sense i mean that's a, that's a good idea yeah and that you want to was... see you want to see those flags you want to see that going on and everybody else you want to make everybody else in the stadium see that for the full 90 and that you know shares the load it gets everybody involved heck at some points you're going to have kids in the section so Mm -hmm. you can get them to you you go kid here's your exactly yeah here's your chance to wave the flag that's that's fun yeah of course i didn't i didn't wave the flag but it must have gone through my passed through my hands at least four times and I, i would just pass it back and somebody would just take it or they would just Keep passing it. I think they're cool. I think they're comparable uh, supporter section to us. So around three thousand. Yeah. And when you have, I mean, how many flags could they have had? It couldn't be that many. Passed no. through around three thousand people. Dozen or so. Yeah. Or yeah. less. Ten to. But 12. it keeps it going. Keeps exactly. Going. Yeah, it's cool. It was fun. Yeah, it definitely gets you excited about what we're gonna have next year. Oh, and then of course uh, with the seats, talking about Centene Stadium, the the. Last big news was um, the team has announced that the general reserved seat selection is coming up where if you paid your deposit and time stamped ahead of most people, <laughs> you'll have the opportunity to come to the stadium and pick out your seat in person, get a stadium tour starting next month, right? May 18th, something like that? Middle to the end of May, yeah. Yeah. That- a week of May 16th, 18th to Wednesday, I believe. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so that's pretty cool. I know a lot of people are getting very excited about that. I've heard from a, a lot of people who are waiting for the real seats. I'm, I'm going to be standing, but I know a lot of people are not wanting to commit to that for the whole season. I'll tell you, you know that social media is kind of, it can be viewed as like not real life, but it could also be viewed as a microcosm of real life. So you have some people who post what they're thinking or what their concerns are and you know that there's a for every one person who posts it there's like 10 20 30 100 people who think that same thing well the i think the anxiety levels of people who have general reserve deposits is about at an all-time high right now and it's been building for weeks and months as the club has said in the spring of 22 you're going to hear more information you're gonna you're gonna have your opportunity and we're starting to see on facebook fan groups on Twitter and everywhere, people are starting to post their timestamps saying, I got the email. It says yep. I can come. And everybody's like, when's your timestamp? 
Right. So, so they're trying to map it out. Like if I, if, if somebody put in a deposit at, at 10.02, at 10.30, at, because it opened at 10 a.m. on whatever day it was, at, at noon or something, they're trying to, to pinpoint if they still have a chance because the level of anxiety on whether or not you're going to even get the opportunity, not, not much less like if you're actually going to buy, but even you're going to get contacted to have the chance. Is and there's so no way to know yet because we know that obviously there are a lot of people who predicted that they were going to buy, you know, two or four tickets, we're going to buy one or two, you know, you're throwing down your deposit and saying like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get a bunch of them. And, and, and that's okay. You know, that was, that was the system, but then that's why there's a waiting list. And if you're on the waiting list, you know, we wish you all luck, but there's no way to know yet how far down it is going to get until people actually have to start putting, you know, the rest of that money down. And there's too many unknowns because you know at the time you put the deposit down, you could have put up to eight, but you don't know if somebody just did that because it's just a placeholder. Or if they did it actually knowing that they had a group of eight that they wanted to share the tickets with, which that seems a little, well, that seems a lot less likely than I'm putting a bigger number just in case, or I'm putting four and I'm actually only going to get two. So I think if we ever had known the real number of deposits that people chose, that Publishing that would have been a huge mistake, and they didn't, and I'm glad they didn't because that was a fictional number. It's the number of account deposits that truly matters. And we know that there's a lot of them, and we know that you know, that's the idea. And we, I'd much rather see us have a stadium that's sold out all the time than say, like, oh, let's well, just build it extra big now, and, and then you end up with you know 10,000 empty seats. You end up with Orlando, which they're not any bigger than us, but Orlando's attendance has just completely fallen off. I know that the Louisville attendance for the Open Cup game looked rough on the it did. on TV. You could hear St. It Louis. Was, you could hear our yeah. supporters so much more. I, I mean, it was. It, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know what the weather was like on Wednesday, and obviously midweek games are. I would like to give them a pass for midweek Open Cup, but still, that was a pretty. I think maybe some of their fans were getting a little ahead of themselves, assuming mm-hmm. they were going to win this one and holding out for that MLS team next they were round. They hoping FC uh, Cincinnati. And uh, yeah, that was the big and then they almost, yes. <laughs> and then they almost lost. I mean, you, you, just assuming you were going to get a win against St. Louis was not a given. It went awfully close. So. Don't skip a match hoping for a better match down the road. That's the lesson there. For those listening that are that are still very anxious about the whole ticket process and if they're going to get in or not, if you don't mind standing for ninety plus minutes, as far as we know, there are still supporter section tickets available. Reach out to Caleb. Caleb Leon. Leon, yeah. At stlcitysc.com. I think it's actually supporters no? at St. Louis. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, that's at, right. He listed too. Supporters at stlcitysc.com. Correct. Right. Well, um, and, and now, at this point, actually, you can come out to a City 2 game, come stand with yeah, the supporters see, section, right, sure. do some standing, do some chanting, and, and see if that's for you. If there are still people who are not sure, because we know there's people who haven't been coming to the lower level games who are still planning on going to MLS games. Yeah. Show and, up, make noise, have fun. That's and there's it. a lot to go into it. So you don't want to ever get into a situation where somebody wants general reserve, they want a club seat, but they end of the day they just want to be in the stadium. Yeah. And so you end up in a situation like Charlotte where you're actively marketing your supporter section as the cheapest seat in the stadium. And cities they don't have a reason to do that. They haven't done it. They know what Charlotte did, and they're right. not going to do you that. You don't want unhappy people in the supporter section. It exactly. defeats the purpose it, of it a supporter ruin, section. It will ruin yep. the atmosphere. Right. And you don't want to have that as the thing you start the stadium with. 
But on the on the supporter section front, I think it's important to note that this isn't a St. Louis thing where the supporter section isn't immediately gobbled up with every ticket. It's a very unique section, as we all know. I mean, you, you can't market, and you should not market the supporter section to everybody. It's not the most uh, accessible. Like, you're not going to have people. Some people just can't. I mean, whether it's... Uh, people who physically can't stand yeah. for 90 minutes, and that's fine, or... <laughs> Myself, I, I took a chance, and I went with four tickets in the supporter section where there's a lot of people who are, are tepid about bringing kids in the section. And my kids, come opening day, are going to be six and three. And they're going to be in the supporter section. And if they don't like it, then we'll figure that out. But that we're mm -hmm. going to try it because they like to yep. be with the Luligans. They like to be in that section for St. Louis FC. And and it's it's something that so far they've been very receptive to with headphones on. Don't get me wrong. They're, if they're by the drums, they're going to have sure. headphones. But, yeah, yeah. but it's that that atmosphere. It's, it's fun. It's a party environment. It's exciting. And when, they're, when we've taken them to other games, sure, a seat is nice if they're wanting to fall asleep or play a video game or something like that. But getting them acclimated and setting the expectation. We all know as, as parents, like it's all about setting the expectation and you have to be honest and let them know what they're into. But as Luligans and as some of the other groups that have popped up, the No Nap Ultras, you know, there mm -hmm. there is this parental kind of uh, culture that is going into the supporters culture. So I feel that if you're if you're out there and you're thinking, well, I I have a family that I'm wanting to get tickets for, or I don't know if they if I want to put you know kids in the supporter section, don't think of it as not family friendly necessarily. And I know that some images and some teams have different cultures, but I firmly believe that our, we've always as Luligans been everybody's welcome, family friendly. Like this is an environment where we will turn nobody away. Everybody has a place and. I know the Luligans are one component of the supporter section, but that will not change. Well, guys, before we wrap up, I just want to give a shout out to Mr. Matt Baker, who has been running our Twitter account for months now, um, in case you weren't aware. Matt, out of the bag. Matt is really on top of it, and I really thank you for that. You're doing an awesome job. And um, also, while I'm at that, Jason Betrayo took over the reins of our Instagram account a couple months ago. He's getting more and more into it, doing a great job. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it. Mr. Matt Baker, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fun. Thanks that was fun. Me. That was good. Uh, even with the long pee break, both on my part and the dogs. So that was nice. Um, Joe, of course. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we'll Once get back again. to, uh, I mean, we got games coming now. There's plenty to talk about. Uh, it's so it's maybe, getting fun. Maybe a month or two, we'll come back and do this again. You know, I kid. Joe is actually a busy guy, um, but summer's coming up, which I think should loosen up Helps. some. Uh, yeah, it'll be a whole lot easier to, uh, to go to these awkward Sunday night games during the summer and find time to podcast around them. It's definitely easier that time of year. So thank you, guys. Don't forget, follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook group. City SC Report on all of those. CitySCReport.com. Our articles have slowed down a bit, unfortunately. Mr. Baker's keeping that up, too. He's just running the whole thing these days. But um, that'll keep ramping up over the course yeah, of the it summer will. It as, will. as we get closer to the first team games. Email us or direct message us with 
any questions, comments, concerns, aggravations, you name it. Yeah, we need to start actually uh, soliciting some uh, so, some feedback from the listeners. And yeah, we some, get some every once in a while. We uh, not very often, but every once in a while, it's pretty nice. The more it's we get to hear from people, start to uh, get get some get some comments and, and questions in there. Yep. So that'll do it. Thanks, guys. Thanks again. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.